Our scripture for this morning is from the lectionary, and you can see that in your Advent worship guides. Uh, it's from Isaiah 64, chapter, verse, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9, and from Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 32. So I'll read those for you now. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so the nations might tremble at your presence when you did awesome deeds that we did not expect. You came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who work for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, I guess. We sinned because you hid yourself. We, we transgressed. We became like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, they take us away. There's no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our own iniquity. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, you are our potter, we are all the work of your hand. Don't be exceedingly angry, O oh Lord, don't remember our iniquity forever. Consider we're all your people. And Jesus uh, says this in Mark chapter 13. But in those days, after great suffering, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then you'll see the Son of Man coming, as in the clouds, with great power and glory. And he'll send out the angels. And he'll gather the elect from the four winds and the ends of the earth and the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender, it puts forth its leaves. You'll know the summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father, beware. Keep alert, for you don't know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at the cock's crow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. So I want to say this to you all. Keep awake. This is the word of the Lord.
Hello, friends. Welcome to Advent Worship. Uh, my name is Shard Yadav. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Bread and Wine, and I'm joining you uh, in the journey of Advent, Advent Worship, that sort of neglected time of preparation before Christmas. And I hope it's not too unrealistic to expect that uh, we are making this journey together with people all across the spectrum of belief, because it it was really never intended to be limited to just one group of people. The story of Advent is really a, it's a human story um, because it's a story about expectation. It's about the longing that human beings have, not just for temporary needs to be satisfied, but for the deeper parts of us to be fulfilled, uh, for things to be right. You know, in the, in the deepest sense of that word, to be aligned, to be harmonious, to be uh, in concord, together. And you don't have to have any strong religious belief to resonate with, with that, for all things to be, to be brought into their proper place. What things? Well, there's our inner world, um, our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our intellect, our will, for the harmonious working of all these things. How much of our uh, lives are dominated by the by the um, dissection of our lives into tiny compartments of work and weekend and um, you know all the obligations laid out before us of, of our mind and our hearts where our heart doesn't agree with our mind where our desires don't agree with our will because we don't do what we want um, it's the division and fragmentation of our inner world that makes us so anxious, so um, depressed, so sort of out of sync with ourselves. And, you know, all this time alone has revealed that to so many of us in, in quarantine. But also our outer world, you know, our, our relationships, for, for all relationships to be harmonious and right and, and at peace, um, it's the expectation that that's how things should be. You know, our hope for, for our careers, our jobs, the things that we give our lives to, to matter, to make sense, um, to be good at those things, to feel that wonderful feeling that I'm in this zone of doing what I was made to do and I'm really enjoying it and people seem to be benefiting from it. Um, you know, that's the place we want to be. No one wants to feel the flickering fluorescent light hovering over a cubicle, laboring like a cog in a machine that doesn't care if you're there, right? We want to feel like we're contributing to something that matters. So our relationships, our vocations, our communities, having all of the people in our city, in our nation, in our world to actually work together in a way that we, um, we, we're made to, we're, we're, we hunger for a kind of harmony together, uh, at least the absence of conflict, but maybe even more than that, a sense of needing each other, of wanting each other, of having what others need, and of needing what others have, and the ability to share with each other across all the sorts of differences among us that we could appreciate those and love those about each other, um, and understand each other, and not exist in these compartments away from each other. You know, the, those are the things, those are the longings all human beings have. For 
a kind of reconciliation of the past and the present um, of all nations and cultures. And, you know, it's, it's almost too big. It's almost too big to long for. It's almost so big that it seems naive to long for it. So we hope for smaller things most of the time. We hope for a nice weekend. Um, you know, we hope for uh, shows we can binge. Um, and Advent is about tapping into those deeper hopes that all of us have. These four Sundays are all about that hope, peace, joy, love. It's a journey towards our desires, towards those things that all of us really are waiting for uh, in life. Uh, it's a journey inward to see the, the, the vacuum of those needs that we want fulfilled, the deeper needs for harmony uh, in ourselves. And it's an outward journey into the world to see how badly the world needs some hope, this peace, a kind of fortress of joy that can't be penetrated by all the disasters and despair and, uh, and the love that would knit us all together as homo sapiens, mammals, creatures, all stuck on this planet, uh, either contesting for ourselves or, please God, let there be a way for us to dwell together in a way that benefits one another, that reduces pain and increases well-being. <laughs> those are the hopes we have as human beings. Well, Bread and Wine is a Christian community, and that means, among other things, that we have reasons to believe that those hopes are more than pipe dreams. Um, you know, all of us have these hopes that we can't really just give up on, um, because we, even in the evidence of thousands of millions of years stretching behind us and in front of us of hope, peace, joy, love, where is it? It's when is it coming? Um, we still can't help but hold on to it. And bread and wine being a Christian community just means that we think that the structure of that hope, all of us share these deeper hopes, is the structure of a promise. Uh, we believe that we have these hopes, not just because evolution doomed us with these tragic desires for things that will never be, um, but because something in the millions of years of development of this world, the millions of years that stretch in front of us, um, we think that this, this hope is built into us, not just as a desire, but as a promise of what is meant to be. A desire that God wants to actually fulfill in our inner world. He wants to bring it together to integrate us, body, soul, mind, as human beings, so that we don't fight against ourselves in this tortured inner world. And he wants an outer world where we're not just caught in the cycle of disappointing lovers, economic systems that are just grinding us out like hamburger as we're cogs in a machine to increase someone else's profit for productivity. Um, you know, the swelling tide of injustice that, it, that is in history behind us that sort of overstretches 
on the present like a wall, like a wave ready to crash down on us with uh, racial violence that we still have not overcome. Uh, centuries of, of exploitation and empire that we still have not overcome. God wants to bring healing to all of these things in our outer world and our inner world. And we think that's why we have these hopes we can't let go of. Um, so we've, we've been waiting. We've been waiting a long time. And this is, of course, um, you know, the theme of so much good literature. Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot. Two men at a train station waiting for something that never happens. You know, we're all waiting. Is anything coming? Is anything coming? That's the question. And I think when we look at our inner world and we look at our outer world and we've got to face this question, um, is there a fulfillment in sight for these hopes? And our community says that there is, that there is, that in fact, it's got to come from outside our inner world. It's got to come from outside our outer world. If this hope that fulfills our desires like a promise is real, if it's not just a dead end, um, it's got to come from outside our world. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. He says, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down from outside human possibility so that mountains would quake at your presence, so that a fire would be kindled um, like a boiling, like something erupting into this world where all of our hopes are so continually dashed by reality. You know, the journey of Advent is a journey down this path of our deepest desires to all of these things, but ultimately it winds into a crossroads. And if you're joining us for Advent worship and we're trying to explore these hopes together, the things that break our hearts about the world, about ourselves. We want to go deeper into those things and say, God, where are you in these things? As we wait, as we hope for something better. But those, those hopes, they, they lead us, friends, to a fork in the road. Because either those longings, these things that we're waiting for, these promises that are leading us to fulfillment beyond um, anything we've been able to give ourselves or have the history of the world give us, um, if, they're, if we're going to go deep into those things, we're going to find ourselves either saying these things are beyond our world, ready to break in. They're beyond us. And we have to sit and wait, open ourselves as human beings to a world beyond our world, to God. You know, regardless of whether you think there is one uh, or what you think he's like, this crossroads of Advent brings you to the place where you say, if there is a peace like this, a love and a joy like this, it's got to come from outside of us. And so you, it puts you in a posture of waiting for it beyond our world. Um, and that's what Isaiah says that Advent that the promise of God is supposed to kindle in us, awaiting for that. If it's a kind of hope that's not just the hopes we experience in this world, which is hopes that are just preparation for disappointment. 
Um, Christmas is such a bummer for me every year. And for a lot of people I know, the seasonal blues kind of get to us. Because um, really we experience in a heightened way what, what everybody experiences in their lives, which is all of this um, desire for good things, for the warmth, togetherness, um, joy of what's depicted in the Christmas season. And it always seems to fall short of that. Um, some of us because of the trauma we experienced around this time of year. But all of us, all of us at some point have our hopes destroyed with reality. And the kind of peace that's sort of a tension before the next outbreak, a kind of joy that's just a diversion until the next catastrophe or drudgery, a kind of love that's like the the next high just before that low is coming again. And those are the kinds of hope, peace, joy, and loves that we experience inside this world. Um, which is why, friends, we need a hope beyond it. We need a peace stronger than anything the world can give us. And that's the, that's the hope of Advent. That's the journey of, of Advent, waiting for that waiting for that. The gospel reading in Mark says that um, Jesus says, look, what's happening in our own generation, the generation to which Jesus is speaking, happens to people of every generation. But he says the world will come crashing down. The world is going to be like he describes the sun and the moon going dark, the heavens being shaken. Those are just ways of describing your world as you know it coming to an end. The disillusionment of all your hopes, you know, when you didn't expect it. Um, and man, is not that just the cycle of life? You know, not just pandemic. It's when your spouse gets sick and it looks like maybe she was not getting better. Um, it's when you find out the doctor says you have a tumor and, and it's inoperable. It's when your kids grow up and leave the home and you say, what am I doing here on earth now that they're gone? It's these shifts in life where your world comes crashing down. For them, where Jesus was speaking to them, the temple was about to be destroyed. The hub of their life's uh, identity, their communal identity was going to be wiped out and another crushing blow of an empire of an already oppressed people, the last symbol that maybe they could be their own people for whom uh, there was some dignity before these colonial forces wiped them out completely. Um, he said that's getting taken away. Your world is crashing down, just like ours usually does at some point. If it hasn't yet, can I just promise that it will? Jesus says, when that happens, when that happens, watch, watch carefully. Um, because in the time that you don't expect it, in that crossroads where those false hopes, fragile joys, fragile peace, false love, all existing inside the human possibility, what we can give to each other, the weak 
stuff we can give each other. When all of that comes crashing down, watch carefully, and it's in that moment I will come to you. It's in that moment I will come to you. A hope beyond humans possibility, a peace beyond human strength, a joy beyond human imagination, a love beyond anything human beings can promise each other. These things are with me. I will bring them to you in that moment if you keep awake and watch for it. That's what Advent is about, friends. The journey of Advent is, like Jesus says, being servants in the house, waiting for him to come, we don't know when. We just know he's coming, so keep awake. Keep awake. Pay attention. You know, our inner world, our outer world, we need hope to continue. We need hope. And friends, there's only two options. Either there is a hope that we can rely on and it comes from outside of us, or there's a hope inside the human circle that just sets us up for more disappointment. And... um those are the two assumptions we can make, just like Isaiah says, from old, no one has heard or perceived by ear, no one has seen a, a God besides you who acts for those who wait on him. So if you're struggling, friends, if you can't see hope, I want you to entertain the possibility during this Advent season that God is at work. God is working now to produce this hope to come to you with peace that you can't even understand if you will watch for him in the moment where all of these other hopes are being swept away. If you're struggling, if you're, if you're having a hard time in this quarantine, in this time of isolation, um, Verse 3 of Isaiah says, When you did awesome things, we did not look for you. The mountains quaked at your presence, we didn't see you. Verse 7 says, There is no one who calls on your name, who rouses themselves, that means shake themselves awake, to take hold of you, because we've you've hidden your face from us, because you've allowed us to melt in our own iniquities. Now, I just want to make clear what that iniquities means. Um, God, God isn't saying, I'm hiding because you've done too many bad things. Isaiah says, look, you have an addiction to your false hopes inside the circle of this world. Um, to your false peace, your false joys, your fragile loves. And your addiction to those things keeps you from grabbing hold of me. So he says... Um, you're melting because you don't see that I'm here. I'm coming to you. I'm acting for you and on your behalf, but I'm coming at the site of devastation, at the rubble of your own hopes. That's where you're going to find me. That's where you're going to find me. The coming of God, friends, is like the coming of Jesus. The coming of God into our lives is a coming in weakness. It's coming in the midst of human sorrow. It's coming not in these glorious, powerful, it, as in the form of a servant who gives himself in self-giving love. God is coming to you in the form of Jesus right now at the, at the, in the rubble of your false hopes if you'll look for him. If you'll look for him. Um, 
if you wait for him, if you'll stay awake, um, he has come and he will come again. Uh, you want to know how? How do I look for him? What do I look for? Well, here's how you look for him, friends. His purposes are love. His purposes are love. In the middle of whatever you're dealing with, he wants you to be awakened to love. That's why he came and how he came to begin with in the person of Jesus. His way is gentle. His way is gentle. He delights in you. He loves you. He's not trying to kill you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's coming to you gently in the midst of devastation in order to awaken love inside of you. And he loves you right now where you're at with whatever you're dealing with. His, his life tells you, his life tells you he will come to you in gentleness with the promise of love. His death tells you he works through pain and loss. He works through impossible circumstances, nailed to a cross, naked and ashamed. Hardship is not evidence that God is not present. Because God appeared on a cross. He is wherever the crucifixion in your life is taking place. Just like wherever the crucifixion in our country is taking place, the crucifixion of, of um, black and brown communities, the crucifixion of people dying without proper care, health care, um, the crucifixion of people laboring in jobs that have no meaning, the, the crucifixion of people in broken families and marriages, all the crucifixions in our life is the site at which God most powerfully meets us, friends. He works through death. He, work, he turns death into life. That's where we'll find him. And resurrection is his promise that on the other side of that suffering, if you will wait for God, he will meet you and he will make all things new. He'll start inside of you and he'll continue to do it until this whole world rises from the dead. That's a big hope. It's a big hope. If God would just tear the heavens and come in where we need him. He has, friends. He will. Watch for him. Wait for him. I'm, I'm so glad to be on this journey with you. And um, I can't wait to hear stories of how God is renewing your hope for him to fulfill the promises he made um, of peace joy, love beyond all human reckoning. God be with you, bread and wine. He is and he will be. Let's open our eyes to his love.